information. And we've got so much information available at our fingertips nowadays, whether it's podcasts or books or, you know, what have you that, um, that allows for you to get multiple perspectives, like drinking from a fire hose. Um, and I, while I'm very regimented with, with what I'm trying to present or give or share with the group, I'm pointing to the people behind me <laughs> on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the wall, um, and virtually, but, um, the content I consume is all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so it, it allows, I think it allows for a unique perspective to be able to kind of understand what's going on. But I, any other creator I know, storytelling or not, I've met the ones that I really aspire or that I really respect and are, are inspired by are always talking about how much content they consume. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. All right, welcome to the Storytellers Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Dan, and I believe in the power of story, and I believe in it not only just from a great entertainment side of things or a way to relax or a way to learn, but it's a way to change the world around us. And and today I'm talking to a storyteller who does just that. I can't wait to get to our conversation for you, but a real quick note, uh, if you go to the website, thestorytellersnetwork.com, you will find resources on how to tell your story great from people way smarter than me. You'll find past episodes from amazing guests that can absolutely inspire and educate. And you'll find other resources there uh, just to kind of just to kind of get to know the storytellers and a way to contact me as well. Uh, On the contact page, you can just email Dan and and we'll have a chat. And that sounds weird to say email Dan. It's like I'm talking to third person. But anyway, click the thing that says contact Dan and we'll talk. Now, Today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Impulse Creative, but he goes by another title as well that we'll get into. Uh, he's, he, so in, Impulse Creative is an inbound marketing agency, and Remington Begg is fortunate to be based in southern Florida, southwestern Florida, although the agency does have remote employees proving that you can be a storyteller anywhere. And while Remington may not seem like a typical storyteller on the surface, we, uh, in my opinion, he's a story ambassador or curator and we'll talk about that, as he helps brands and businesses tell their story through inbound and content marketing. Plus, like many of my guests, he is simply a great storyteller in conversation. So without any more waiting, let's get to Remington Stories. All right, thanks for joining me, Remington. I appreciate taking time today. Yeah, man. It's always a good time with Dan Moore. Well, I appreciate it. Welcome. Welcome to the show. We've had our conversations over the years. Uh, you call it always a pleasure, but it's actually mine. You are an absolute blast to hang out with. So thanks for that. Thanks. Um, so let's let's start with kind of maybe an easy one. Do you sure. consider yourself a storyteller? So yes, um, but if you had asked me a long time back, like if you asked me a couple of years ago, I probably would have like argued with that. Um, and the reason is is because I see branding as storytelling, but I don't consider myself a storyteller because I have people. Um, but then with the chrysalis effect that we've had in this agency growing it up to, I'm literally telling the staff the story that they have to kind of share. 
So, um, yeah. so I see that as a yes. Is that kind of what founders sort of have to be? So that's a great point. So I think that's the unspoken. Um, and it's funny because uh, towards the end of the year, I redefined everyone's roles um, in the org, which can sound really scary, but it was really um, guardrails and goalposts. Like we took away, we took away the list of all the things that you had to do. And we, we just targeted it based on the outcome. Like you had missions, like what you're supposed to accomplish. Hmm. Um, and so to answer your question, yes, I think founders, their job is to paint the picture. And I think that happens with storytelling and happens, happens with consistency. But, um, but I think as business people, we have to paint the picture of something we're trying to do. And salespeople are really good at that. They paint the picture of what success looks like and stuff like that. But yeah, founders for sure, because if no one knows where we're going, then it's mayhem. <laughs> right, right. And, and do you find yourself also telling the story um, as the founder when you're looking for new clients? I mean, you're not, you're not the sales team, I assume, but yeah. you've got to be part of that conversation, I would guess. Yeah, so a lot of it's the story of where we've been. Um, and I'm a big show, don't tell kind of personality in regards to how we run our marketing, how we work with our clients, you know, that kind of thing. So, so it's more of the storytelling of like the journey that's gotten us here. Um, and sorry, I have to go nautical all the time, but it's like the journey that, that got us here and then where we're trying to go. And that's really what a wayfinder is, which is what we call people at impulsive creative. It's also what you call uh, the guests on your, on your podcast as well. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Which, which I mean, to me, like, gosh, you apologize for nautical, but I love that idea. I mean, so you're in Southern Florida. I'm up in Michigan. Yep. I don't have the ocean, but I have the Great Lakes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, which is like, don't get lost there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, I, I like the idea of nautical terms and as far as storytelling goes, because we, we have to find our way. We have to communicate all these things. So I like that part of it. Um, so that's cool. Where, where do you think, Remington, your, your journey as that storyteller kind of begins? Yeah, so, so where it begins or where it came from? Like, well, like where, like where it came from. Where, where did you kind yeah. of realize, like, I think I have to be a storyteller? Yeah, so, um, so if I look at it from the agency point of view, so I've been an artist. Like, I went to school for art. Like I went to school for graphic design. It was a minor in advertising. It was like, I want to build pretty things. And then I want to also do advertising. Now it's, I want to do advertising and hopefully do pretty things. Um, you know, so when we're looking at, when we're looking at storytelling, like from way back when, it was more so of like capturing that visually, right? Like we always talked about with branding, we always talked about like your brand should tell a story or at least get people to start thinking about one. Um, and so, so that was early on in college. Um, and then, and then even earlier beyond that, I think is when it, it clicked for me. I don't, hindsight is twenty twenty, but like when I looked back, when I look back, like some of the graphic work I did, even in high school, told stories that connected with people, um, that I think is a really powerful thing. Like when you connect with people, not in a transactional level, but an emotional level, that's a really, you know, that's a really compelling thing. Um, yeah. And do you think that's where story really thrives is in that connection? That's why we love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, I, so I have a, a weekly story I give to the team. Well, it's going on in my head. Um, it's called the, the weekly compass and, um, and the, the whole premise behind that was 
letting people know how I feel about things, not just the stuff that comes out of my mouth. Cause I censor a lot. There's so many different messages going on, you know, within an organization as someone who's managing 14 people and then also, you know, trying to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think story starts, you think of any good story, it starts with connection. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you get that context or that connection or you share that, you know, a lot of people explain it, vulnerability. Like you have that vulnerability, it's because you have that, that emotional connection to a similar situation or something like that. And so I think that if you can find that common ground, then that gives you a lot to build on um, with whatever your subject matter is. And one of the things I heard you say too, uh, a minute ago, I want to go back to yep. is you called it making pretty things or advertising. Yep. What's the difference in your mind? And, 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 I, and I want to ask this because I, I really believe that in the professional world right now, there's a place for storytellers. There probably isn't a typically like a chief storytelling officer sure. or a storyteller's job, but I think the storytellers can place themselves in the professional world. But what's the difference between advertising, marketing, and branding for you as like sure. from a storytelling point of view? Yeah. So I, it's almost like religion. It's like five different views of the same religion mm-hmm. or the same thing, right? Like everyone has their God, but well, not everyone, but people have their God. And then there's these different views of, in a lot of cases, what could be construed as the same, we'll just say concept with, with branding, advertising and in marketing, even if we took that like digital marketing, just to pare it down, there's there, they all have outcomes that they're trying to accomplish. Um, they all have premises that they're trying to like to have and like consistency is one of those like core rocks that every one of them has to have, but they also have their, they also have a very different point of view. So when I think of like a successful brand, it encompasses all of those things and it's telling the story about what we stand for and what we do. It's connecting with people who can relate about what's going on. It's the culture of making sure that all comes together and it's the messaging that is consistent. So if you imagine, um, imagine a book with all the pages in, you know, in random order, like it's still a book. It still has pages. It's just, it's not real consistent. The consistency of that story is really where it comes in. Um, and I think that when you use them all together and you think about them all as far as a journey, uh, they all work together. I don't even think that was the, your question, but it, no, I think that, I think it answers it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> cause you can, you can, you know, you could go into like different business definitions of marketing versus advertising versus branding. You could get into the weeds there, but I like that right. holistic picture of looking at the same outcome from different points of view. Yeah. Years ago I did a, um, before George worked for me, um, I did a podcast with George and he said, what came first chicken or the egg brand, great branding or great inbound marketing. Um, and I told him brand has to come first. Right. Like, because the brand is who you are, you know, it, like, and, and the inbound marketing is kind of where it all ties in. I think story is very much the same thing. Like you've got to, you got to have a point of view. And I think maybe that's, maybe that's the, the core of this, this question is the brand establishes like that waypoint going back nautical again. Yeah, right. And then, and then the, the marketing, the advertising is kind of showing people where you are along, along that route. And your reference to George is George B. Thomas, who is yes. your inbound evangelist and was yep. on season three of Storytellers, uh, the second episode of that season, talking about right. video tutorials. So, uh, yes. yeah, good dude, man. In, he has a video or two. In his a, a few of them, yeah. <laughs> and a whole lot of energy. 
<laughs> yes, he does. Yes. <clears throat> so I, I, I like what you said about a brand is what we stand for. I want to get back to that in a minute. Sure. That's very interesting to me that you said that versus what we do or before what we do. Um, but I want to ask though, so your title, yeah. I, I, I called you in the intro co-founder and CEO, but your title really is chief remarkable officer. Yep. I, lo- I love that. What does that mean for you though? Yeah. So, so it really gives me an opportunity to talk about it as a story. Um, because co-founder and CEO, you hear that you put me in a box, you literally put me in a box and on a shelf, like that guy's uppity, that guy, like, you know, he's got peoples, like all those things, like you could have a whole bunch of, and it's all based on your own, your own perception of a co-founder you've dealt with or a CEO that you've talked to, or maybe it's your boss. If you, you know, if you work at a company, um, all of those things may or may not be accurate descriptions of what I do. Um, I don't think that I'm the same as any other organization. I don't think I run my company the same as anyone else. And so when people used to ask me what I do, like I know a couple of people that say they're the chief janitorial officer, right? <laughs> and it's, it's, and they're willing to do anything. Sure. Um, uh, be remarkable is a tagline that we use impulse creative. Um, and so, so when we were working on our messaging, going back to the consistency, chief remarkable officer really came out to it because our goal is to make, to, to help our clients be remarkable and remarkable is being worthy of attention. And so if I am the one directing the team to help all of the clients be um, remarkable, then I have to at least be doing things in a unique enough way that would garner attention ourselves. So that starts with people asking that question in the get go. And if I was to like pare it down and just get ultra selfish for a minute, it also allows for me to talk to people about our, our point similar to this right now in regards to, well, I'm not just a normal CEO. I'm someone who's trying to make a difference, trying to make an impact in all of my employees lives, trying to make an impact in all the companies. And so it starts, it allows for that foundation for you to start to build a relationship. So, man, this, that's great. And so much information in there. And, and I hear part of what I hear is you really do have to be a story or you don't have to be, but it's really incredible, incredibly powerful to be a storyteller. So even if, yeah, even if you don't consider yourself a storyteller and want to find a job in the world somewhere, if you're a founder or entrepreneur, you got to get better at telling the story. Mm. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure you do. And, um, and a lot of times I think anyone who discounts the story um, is someone who isn't paying attention uh, because you can connect with people if you listen for those cues. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of times people either aren't vulnerable enough or don't share enough of the story to allow people to really understand the point of view. Um, and I, I'll give a perfect example. Like I just had a conversation with someone about a sitemap for a website. I know I'm paring this down, but we presented a sitemap. It didn't have much explanation the client's like, I don't like this. Can we talk about it? Well, I'd prefer not. Well, we really need to talk about it. We have a conversation. We shared our point of view on it. And they're like, this is great. Let's keep it. <laughs> now, it's not because we, we were wrong before and we're suddenly right now. It's they, had, they didn't have the right context mm. you know, to understand why we were even recommending what we were recommending. And so I, I look at story being a very similar way. Um, if you, if you stand for something, you're going to talk about why you stand for it. And, and that, that 
platform that you build as you're talking about why you stand for something allows for you to have the right to share your message more. Um, it doesn't mean you're right, but it allows for you to say, Hey, I have a point of view mm -hmm. um, rather than just being one person just standing there. Which is a perfect segue to getting back to that part of it. You, yeah. when you described a business, you said you have to know what you stand for and what you do. Mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating that you, you put them in that order. Sure. And I get it. And I think, I think the listeners get it, but I think a lot of people still kind of go, but if I say what I stand for, that's going to alienate people. Sure. And of course I think of like the Nike story of, of recent time when they, you know, Colin Kaepernick and some of the backlash, but then so much of the positivity that came out of that, mm -hmm. whether you agree or not with his stance, like that was the right move for Nike. I guess yeah. how, how do how do you encourage those businesses and brands to talk about what they stand for? and not be afraid of, of what that means. Yeah. So, um, so it's really a human element is how I explain it when I'm talking to people. Um, and, and to the Nike example that, uh, the gentleman who approved that, I forget his name, but there was an article that just came out that he said that as long as more people are open to your idea than people that hate your idea, it's a viable idea. Right. And so, so if you're, if you honestly think 90% of the world is going to hate your guts and that 10% is your customer and those 90% never would have bought from you in the first place, like do it. Right. Yeah. Um, you're going to stand out to that, that 10% more than you ever would have if you just had your general message. And so, so we always, to the, to the point of where, what you're, what you're asking, we've always looked at brand, like people come to us for branding work because we do that at impulse, but they'll come to us and they'll say, Hey, we need some help with our logo. And we're like, okay, so talk to me about all your other assets. And they're like, Oh, we have 150 different sell sheets for all these different products. And we have this and that. And we're like, and so what happens when you press approved on this logo? Well, we'll gradually phase that in. And it's like, right? Like, wait a minute. So a lot of times it, and it just happens with websites too, but it starts with what is the, the compelling reason to change your logo? And it, it could be you got acquired or you're merging companies and there's some different things there that need to happen from a cultural point of view, but you got to know your mission and your vision and your core values. And, and we ask those things for companies. And in a lot of cases, even in the sales process, if they don't have them, then we won't do branding work for them in normal terms, um, in regards to creating a logo, we'll actually go straight to what we call an editorial style guide. We're out, we'll actually define what that is in their organization. We'll get the execs to approve it, literally have them write down what they stand for. It's an exercise and a half. But when they're done, suddenly now they're like, oh, we get it, because now there's clarity about who they want to work with, who they want to hire, who they don't. Um, and the who we don't is as, as important as the who we do um, in that regard. So that's the big, that's the big piece, um, you know, from a brand point of view. And then the visuals tell the story too. You know, you can, you can change the emotion of a graphic just with the color. Mm -hmm. And people don't even realize that. Like we both have, we both have orange microphones. <laughs> that's right. Um, and there's, there's likely a compelling reason for that. Um, but there's, you know, there's all these different, uh, emotions that can come through with design, you know, different tensions with how things are put together and all of that should be done 
that ties into your brand because that brand again should be that foundation and that starting point. And do you think like how, how do you think a brand ought to a business ought to take all of that huge everything yep. and start somewhere? Like, is it colors? Is it story? Is it product? Is it people? Where do you even start? Yeah. So that's a great question. A lot of times it starts with like, who am I? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, you know, David Cancel from, uh, from Drift actually just wrote a note about inversion, um, which I thought was a really cool exercise is like understanding, uh, answering a question by understanding the, the opposites. And so like, if you're, if you're already established company and you're trying to solve problems, or let's just say, um, you, you don't have a company yet, you're trying to get started. You know, what are you trying to accomplish? That could be the first question. Well, I'm trying to beyond making money because, you know, Simon Sinek and everyone else says that that doesn't matter. You have to like stand for something. So when you are, when you're building out the, you know, your who I am, you start to identify using inversion, you can start to go into, well, what is this? So why do I want to build websites for people? Well, because I want to help them get more exposure online. Okay. Why do I want to? help them get more exposure online. And you can literally invert that. Like why would someone want that in the first place? And so you can explore this whole concept and start to really understand some iterations of your mission statement or your vision statement about what you believe in the world or what you believe the world's kind of big for people to start to think about, but what you want your impact to be. And it could be personally or professionally. And from an org point of view, organizations or companies, then now you can start to go, well, how does the company do that? And that's where you start to get that, that message. Um, we use an exercise in its simplest form of if you, if your brand was a car, what kind would it be? Right. And it's a perfect idea to understand where someone is emotionally with their brand. Like we've had people say like, we're the Pinto or we've had people say that they're the Tesla, but what happens if someone says that they are a, um, you know, a, forest green metallic jaguar sports car suddenly now that even right now is in your imagination starts to make people start to imagine and starts telling a story about who you think they are where if they said that they were a company or a car it wasn't specific enough so it's there's that's where brand really starts to shine and that's before we even designed anything Hmm. have you ever had somebody say that they're a harley davidson yes (laughs) really that could be why you like orange too it's, it's, it's part of it. The orange yeah, and black yeah. is definitely part of it. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of hoping to get out riding soon. So anyway. Uh, yeah. Come on down to Florida. We could ride right now. Man, I know. I know. <laughs> Problem is in the summer, your uh, mosquitoes can carry people away like pterodactyls. So not right. Sure yeah, that's true. And you're in Southern Florida, right? Yeah. Southwest. So southwest. L between Tampa and Miami. We're, okay. we're at the base of it. Gotcha. Right on. Beautiful place to be. Um, so what do you, what's one of the biggest challenges you find in storytelling either in your position or just talking to people about it? What's a big challenge you face? Yes. Yeah, so, um, the pause. And the reason I say that is a lot of times we don't think, we don't think about the context of what we're trying to share. Um, and going back to that analogy of the book with all the pages in different order, it's, where you started with your story is not where the person that you meet that you're going to start telling your story is going to start in a lot of cases. And so 
when you're storytelling, you have to really understand the context and where they're coming from. Um, you know, a preface of a book is a perfect example. Like it sets the tone, sets the understanding about why the book even exists in the first place, where if you just went straight into talking about why someone should care, you haven't done the groundwork in order to connect them to that emotionally, if you will. That's why when they have big presentations, charity water is the perfect example of this. Um, inbound, the inbound event, I think it was four years ago now. I think you might've been there actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they, the guy, the guy came up on, um, on the stage and he started talking about, you know, the fact that they have this water crisis and what charity water is trying to do for it. Um, the story didn't connect, connect with me very much until he said, everyone take out your iPhone. And so everyone takes out their iPhone in the, in the audience. And he's like, look at your iPhone and you know, have you taken a selfie? And so everyone connects with that. Yes, I've taken a selfie. And then he goes, when we took a picture of the people right before we were going to leave the, the children had never seen their own faces before because of how dirty the water was. Right. And that, at that moment I was like, I have to donate to charity water because, <laughs> because that, that emotional hook and the storytelling that happened with that was like that switch that turned on and it was everyone in the, there was gasps in the entire audience. I don't know if you were there, but you probably would yeah. remember that. You remember that moment. That is, you know, that's really like the, the value of that story. He could have had a conversation about that entire journey. And honestly, he probably did during that call all, all, or during that session. I only remember that one statement, but it was enough for me to understand the reason he did it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those are the kinds of things that, you know, you, you have to be able to make that connection. Yeah. It's Scott Harrison. He was... Yes. He was fantastic. And then to have, you know, was it 12,000 that year, maybe 15,000 marketers get behind that was just yeah. so much fun. I remember carrying those yellow jugs and then yeah. he came back, he came back this past year and uh, had a hell of a presentation for the group as well. So, oh yeah. I yeah, missed, I missed this last year. That's awesome. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Um, so, Gosh, yeah. There's so man. We could geek out all day on this. Yep. I, I want to know who one of your favorite storytellers is. My favorite storyteller. That's a tough one. So, um, hmm. And this is totally not because I'm a HubSpot nerd. Um, <laughs> Darmesh. Darmesh uh, is coming to mind. The, yeah. the one of the co-founders of HubSpot. And I think, so his last presentation that he did on stage was unexpected versus any years prior. Um, and he is not someone that you could tell he just doesn't enjoy being on stage. And he's not someone that would be very compelled to share his own story either, by the way. Um, he came up and he had a picture of this oversized t-shirt with the HubSpot logo from like literally armpit to armpit. So like, it's obvious it was the first round of HubSpot shirts before anyone in design got uh, a hold of it. Right. And, um, and he starts telling the story about how he was the only one that forgot to put a pizza, like piece of pizza down. Cause he was, he was just ready to go in this picture. And he, he told this story that was super compelling. Um, and it's interesting that I'm sharing. He's, he's the one out of, I've heard lots of stories, but it was probably the most surprising one to me 
because I left that conversation expecting to be entertained because, or entered that presentation expecting to be entertained because of previous ones. Mm -hmm. He came right in and just like laid it all out and talked about, he was talking about the customer code and he was creating the story about the journey where they've been and where they're going, what they're trying to do with the company. And again, it was another one of those emotional things. I remember being the guy that was eating pizza late at night, trying to make things work, you know, when I first started the company and it was one of those relatable moments. Um, another one is um, Simon Sinek. Mm. He's probably one of my favorites uh, as well. Uh, but Simon does it in a different way. He like hits all of the potential outcomes and then tells you, like gives your opinion, gets buy-in for all of them and tells you why one is, one is better. Where Darmesh's story was very much getting people to relate to a problem. And he was connecting with his fellow um, people who would prefer not to be in the spotlight, which was fun, which is like me and an alter ego. Yeah. Uh, most days it's my modified style there you go yeah darmesh has been incredible every year that he tells a story it tells a story from the stage yeah. i've seen all of his keynotes and yeah this this year's was surprising i watched it online uh, yeah but it was it was an interesting twist he's a fantastic storyteller yep and he's definitely not comfortable in a crowd no every, but yet he kills it on stage he does he really does now, he also said and you're all thinking that this guy's up on stage right now. He goes, but you don't know the like 147 times that I've done this presentation on this stage, trying to, <laughs> trying to prep right? overnight success. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's the incredible thing too. I've, I've learned after interviewing 70 storytellers is that so many great storytellers, they, they practice and practice and practice and just again and again and again and again. I mean, yeah, you're, you're Zig Ziglar, mm-hmm. his son, Tom was on, was on uh, and he talked about how his dad, even up to, up until the end, He's given this, this presentation thousands of times. We'll practice for three hours at least just yeah. to make sure it's locked in. Because he said, this may be my thousandth time, but it might be somebody in the audience's first time. Most likely it's their first time. Love it. Like, that's awesome. And, that's, and so, and that's, there's a huge piece there because, because you're, you're not writing the story for yourself. Right. You're writing it, you're writing it for, for that other person, right? And I think that's where the, it's easy to overlook Um, it's easy to overlook those things that you're like, I know this stuff, but you really have to make sure that you're setting the platform for them to understand for the first time. Love that. Great. Inspirational. And speaking of inspiration, where, how do you find inspiration in today's super busy world? You're pulled on different directions. You have a, a beautiful family, you have your work, you have your management, everything else that you do with people. Where do you find the inspiration to continue to tell a better story? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, I find the more I consume, the more stories I consume, the better I am at storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know when I start to feel stuck for any particular reason, whether it's like emotionally or mentally in regards to like business or whether it's just in all reality, I feel stuck. Um, it's a lot of times because I've stopped consuming. Right. And, um, and I'll give some perfect examples. Like, so I, I'm one of those people that read like three different books at the same time. Mm. I annoy a lot of people with that. Like I, I will stop one, pick up another, I'll read three quarters of a book and be like, yeah, I got my piece out of that. Um, or I'll reread, I've, re- I've read uh, traction seven, eight times now. Mm. Um, and I've gotten a different thing out of it every single time, but there's, there's these, these things that you can pull from people 
or that you can get, you can get out of these stories or this, this information. And we've got so much information available at our fingertips nowadays, whether it's podcasts or books or, you know, what have you that, um, that allows for you to get multiple perspectives, like drinking from a fire hose. Um, and I, while I'm very regimented with, with what I'm trying to present or give or share with the group, I'm pointing to the people behind me (laughs) on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the wall, um, and virtually, but, um, the content I consume is all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so it, it allows, I think it allows for a unique perspective to be able to kind of understand what's going on. But any other creator I know, storytelling or not, I've met the ones that I really aspire or that I really respect and are are inspired by are always talking about how much content they consume. And you use the word consume and content, the words consume and content, not just read. Right. So it's all kinds of stuff. Do you have a favorite consumption mechanism? (laughs) Yeah. So podcasts actually... I never had listened to a podcast until uh, George B. Thomas came on board and told me that we should probably start a podcast. Um, and it was just one of those things where I'd never really gotten that far, but audiobooks, I, I did like crazy. So now, now I consume, um, I do podcast roulette, which sounds, um, which sounds like it could be, um, it could be, you know, illegal, but it's not. <laughs> um, but podcast roulette literally is like, I'll go in the business category and I'll literally scroll on my phone and I'll touch it and I'll just listen to whatever it has to say. And I have to give it at least five minutes. If it's yeah. crap, then I'll move. Sure. Uh, but I'll, but I'll do the same thing. And that's been really kind of fun because like you start to uncover stuff that you never would have even thought of. Um, and I think that that's the that's the one big danger we have nowadays is like we get stuck in this bubble of it, it could be our information bubble it could be our social bubble it could be our political bubble whatever those things are we get stuck in that echo chamber um, and being able to break out of that is is really important um, but to answer your question uh, audiobooks probably my favorite I do enjoy a good um, a good like literal book uh, but that is more few and far between now that I have a three-year-old <laughs> quasi terrorist, right? <laughs> Rex, um, you know, but I love him to death, but reading is like, he sees a book and he thinks that he should color in it. And so now it's more of like, I'll have one headphone in listening, um, or I'll do it while driving. Yeah. I tell you, that's my commute right now is about 40 minutes and I have listened to several books this year and, yeah. and podcasts. I love podcasts. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, I, and I'm in the mode this year. I have a commitment to read 25 books. So two a month Great. Plus, plus one that's math, right? Um, yep. but yeah, it's, it's listening and reading. And I find, I find the same thing. The more I consume, the more inspired I am to share things or do things or think differently. Yeah. So that's huge for storytellers. Yeah. And you start to merge some of that stuff together. Like I, one of my podcast roulette things was a concept that didn't have anything to do with marketing or sales. And yet I'm trying to solve this problem over here. And I actually took that thinking and was like, Oh my God, like you could totally go with that. And so that's where the value comes in is sometimes like stepping out of the game for a minute to pay attention to the context of where everything is you can start to join that. And that's, that's some creativity. That's where I get real excited. Yeah. I, I heard a, a speaker one time talk about that and he wrote a book 
called, I think it's the Medici effect. And it's basically taking these two unrelated things and putting them together, kind of like the burkini, mm-hmm. the burqa from Middle East and a bikini. And, you know, Islamic, is it Islamic? No, Muslim, Muslim, the Muslim religion, you know, you had to cover, right? Mm-hmm. And so they took this idea of covers and made swimwear out of it. Instead of just cotton. And uh, yeah, it was incredible. It's like taking two totally unrelated things, put them together and going, oh, that's genius. Yeah. So. And you're like, why didn't I think of that? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, sure. So how do you, how, and maybe you coach businesses in this, or maybe you just kind of think of this on your own, but in this Uber connected, noisy, constant content world, mm-hmm. how are we supposed to kind of get our stories out today? Yeah. So um, there's a couple different frames of thought for that. I've talked to, even on our podcast, Wayfinding Growth, I've had a couple of people that say like, stay in one lane. And then I've got other people that say, distribute your information across all lanes or use one lane primarily and promote in others. Um, I think find your tribe. Um, find your tribe. It could be on a Reddit forum. Probably not, but it could be. Um, and, and, or it could be on Facebook or it could be a messenger or, you know, I have a mastermind group that I'm a part of with other agencies that is one of those areas where like sounding ideas off of people and hopefully creating value for people is, um, find your tribe and listen. And, you know, when you, when you start listening to the tribe and the things they're talking about, you're going to listen to those points of view and those things that you may not have. And if you can consume that information, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, But sharing your message out, I think more important than where is, is when, and it's, it just has to be consistent. Um, You know, and, and think of that cadence of, you know, of what is going on and what you're putting out and just make sure it's consistent, whether it's a weekly podcast or a daily podcast, that's, you know, that's a third of the length whatever that, that medium is, figure out what's easiest for you to get out of your, your head and then let it rip mm-hmm. and make sure that it stays consistent. And that consistency is really where I think all stories come together is when you start showing those chapters of what it is you're talking about. Um, you look at it from a big picture point of view and you're like, holy crap, I did this. Mm. Yeah, those little steps add up, don't they? Mm-hmm. A marathon is a whole lot of little steps. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Consistency. I like that. And strategy and listening. Those are all, those are all good points. It's, it's not easy. That's for sure. But it's, oh no, no, it's an awful lot like hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, and, and I, I saw you share something earlier about entrepreneurship and it's, it's not about the hustle. It's about the grit. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, and again, to that consistency point of view, like there's so much opportunity there. Um, I was mentoring another, uh, another professional that's starting a business, uh, starting a bakery of all things. Hmm. And he, so it's nowhere near related. And he's like, I just want to be successful like you was one of the statements. And I was like, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Right. But going back to that, that, that concept. Like I come in, I'm a 4am'er. I come in at 4am. I knock out my stuff in three hours each day. And then I help the team with theirs for the rest of the day. Um, and then I go home and I hang out with family. Daylight savings times totally got me messed up. But, (laughs) but now, but you know, I've done that for, I've owned the agency over 12 years now. 
right? So every single day, every single day, probably haven't taken as much time off as I should, but every single day there's the grit and the reason and the why and everything that you got to be there. Um, story is no different, right? You've got to, you got to get back and you got to do it. Um, the girls in the agency just, they have their maiden voyage podcast and they just interviewed someone um, about their book. Like, how have you written so many books? She's like, I just start writing. Well, like there's a lot of people I know that want to write books, but something's gotten in the way of them just starting to write, you know? So it's the same thing with sharing any stories, just get out. That's as Stephen King said and his on writing book back in the eighties when it yeah. published, like just, you just have to write every day. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. have to be much. <laughs> no. And I think that's where people kind of get stuck too. And I asked about the inspiration earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think of, I think a lot of people think of, well, I have to have my muse, right? You sure. know, Hemingway drank, <laughs> whatever. Like yeah. you have your muse, but in reality, it's that grit, that consistency. So yeah. And, and passion. Driver. I mean, you got to care about whatever you're doing. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we deal a lot with allergies personally with my, uh, with my son. And that's one of the things my wife is becoming more and more passionate about. And it's like one of those stories, you know, and it's again, perspectives, like you would never even know that you had to be sensitive to, you know, whether someone had milk in their high chair, that's something we have to be sensitive. So Rachel's thinking about going a story route with sharing that kind of information. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of info. There's just so much info. And, and I think, Another piece is that your story matters. Um, I think that's a big thing for businesses. Like they're like, whatever, like no one's going to care. No, actually like it's that opportunity to connect, but the individuals, their story matters too. I just went to FGCU, the local college here. And I was telling people about um, micro influencers because there's huge opportunity for all these kids who are super passionate about fill in the blank, being vegan, um, video games, YouTube marketing, like throw in any of those things. And they're like, well, when do you know that your content's good enough to put it out there? And I was like, I still don't know if my content's good enough to put out there, but I did it because I thought it was valuable and, and I'm being rewarded. Right. It's the same story. Like just, you know, your value. Um, and hell, if nothing else, test it, get it mm-hmm. out there. Absolutely. Yeah. This is in, in the seventies of episodes for the show at this point, I don't even know where I'm at. It's, yeah. it's June when this comes out, but, uh, recording in March and, and I still don't know if it's good enough, but yeah, but I do it. And, and people keep showing up. They do. They do. Um, Absolutely. so before I get to my, my last question, my big one for you, uh, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, where's the best way for people to connect with sure. you personally, Remington and with impulse? Yeah. So impulse, um, we hang out on Twitter all the time all the time at impulse creative. I am as in Mike P U L S E creative. Um, all one word, uh, for me, Remington beg, and that's one M and two G's at the end, um, for Remington beg, um, on Twitter email sucks. So please don't email me. Uh, <laughs> but, but if you hit me up on Twitter or, um, or Facebook or Instagram, they're all the same handle. Um, happy to chat with anyone and, uh, you can go to impulsecreative.com if you want to see anything to do with the agency and you can also hunt down my bio in there, which is a little fun too. Awesome. Uh, so you consider yourself a storyteller, you help other storytellers, but if someone said to you tomorrow, I mean, Ted, you're done telling stories. You can't do it anymore. What would be the last story that you'd want to put out there before you're done? The last story I would want to put out there. That's a good one. Um, take time to live. 
and I would, I would share a story about two different parallels of, of overdoing the hustle and then finding some kind of, um, some kind of mix of the grit that we talked about and the, you know, connecting a couple of those passions. And I would want to show the start, the middle and the end point. And I'm 99% sure that the guy who's not hustling till he's dead um, is the winner. Great example. Absolutely. Hey man, an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for coming on the storytellers network and uh, and keep telling those stories. So once again, thank you so much to Remington Begg with Impulse Creative for stopping by the Storytellers Network. You can connect with him at those links that he mentioned. They are, they are in the show notes uh, and definitely connect with Impulse to learn a ton and with his, his, uh, all the various podcasts and all kinds of stuff there, especially if you're in the marketing sphere or anything about HubSpot, Impulse is definitely where it's at. So, so there you go. Hey, if you enjoyed the episode or learned something or you're inspired a little bit, share it with someone if you would, please. Uh, that helps spread the message and inspire others. You can post it to social media, obviously. You can just share it with somebody in conversation, text it, email it, whatever you want to do. And if you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving uh, a review. That helps as well. So, so there you have it. Hey, listen, if you want to share your story with me, go to the storytellersnetwork.com. Go to the contact page. Send me a note. Let's have a conversation, would you? Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.